Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Thank you, musicians, platform workers. I really appreciate your help. We're in for a treat tonight. Pastor Richard Ruby uh, is a wonderful preacher of the gospel a personal friend of mine, I know one thing about Richard, he loves the Word of God. It's not a job, but it's a passion, and that comes through in his preaching. We're very blessed to have him come. Let's welcome Pastor Ruby while he comes. Hallelujah. Amen. It is an incredible honor uh, to be here uh, this evening here in Prescott. I so appreciate the invitation from Pastor Greg and Pastor Mitchell to be able to minister and uh, believe God to help us. You know, I couldn't help but think, you know, we spent uh, 30 years uh, in the tent where we couldn't shake hands and we had to lather up with, with uh, um, uh, the, uh, the sanitation uh, liquid. And uh, so for a year we were good and here we are, we're back to the same thing. Uh, it's kind of ironic, but uh, it is a great, great privilege and to be here and I've had just a great time uh, fellowshipping and I know that most of us are online uh, this evening, and uh, we're going to believe the Lord to help us, uh, and uh, God's going to help us. Amen. I'm nervous tonight. I want you to turn to Genesis in chapter 50, and Genesis chapter 50, I intended actually to had another sermon, actually sent it off to Jonathan, uh, and, uh, but uh, Sunday morning I was preaching a kind of a 4th of July sermon, and, uh, and God really... Uh, helped me, and at, at the end of that, I really felt like this is what you need to preach. Uh, and a couple of uh, my uh, staff, they, they came up to me and said, "This you ought to do this." So I really feel it's God. Genesis chapter fifty. We'll go there in the Word of God, and I want to begin with a picture, brother. If you could put that first picture up uh, for us, and so that's Christopher Columbus, and uh, that's a very famous picture as he is pointing uh, uh, over the Atlantic, going west. Uh, uh, believing that uh, there on the other side was destiny, and I don't, I'm not going to go into his whole biography. Many of you are familiar with it. And uh, virtually a statue of Christopher Columbus can be found in almost every city in America, or it used to be that way. Put up the second picture, and that's the same picture. Of course, I don't have to tell you that that photo is uh, uh, what is taking place. Um, it is covered in red paint signifying blood, um, and with the word, stop celebrating genocide. I preached this sermon on Sunday morning, uh, unbeknownst to me, the night before in Baltimore. Uh, uh, they uh, tore down Columbus's statue and they threw it into the harbor. Columbus Day has been observed October 12th since the 1790s. That's when he discovered uh, 1492 on October 12th. He first laid eyes on the Americas. And since the 1790s, that day has been honored and recognized. Uh, 
1937. It actually became a national holiday, um, but uh, the truth is that before the year is out, uh, it will no longer be a national holiday. Why? Why would you do this to Christopher Columbus' statue? Well, I'll tell you why. Number one, people say, well, this is racism. This is racist, that somehow he represented racism. Not only that, Columbus, uh, when he came uh, bringing uh, Europeans and Western civilization, they introduced smallpox uh, and caused uh, the death of many uh, Native Americans. Uh, and then, of course, land has been stolen. Um, and, uh, and so it's like, how dare you celebrate uh, a man like this? Christopher Columbus is the embodiment of evil. And it's amazing that uh, nobody could see this up until just a few years ago. In 1988, Ronald Reagan uh, 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 on Columbus Day gave a very powerful speech. And in that speech, uh, he said that his adventurism modeled what the American spirit would become. And yet here we are today, and that is acceptable behavior. I want to tell you something this evening. We don't celebrate Christopher Columbus because, well, he had racist tendencies or because he brought smallpox uh, or because he stole the land. I'll tell you why we celebrate Christopher Columbus uh, is because when Columbus came, the gospel came to the Americas. That is why. Because up until that point, it hadn't been here. I'm not a Mormon. Jesus, when, when Columbus came for all of his issues and all of his problems, somehow, through a man who had all kinds of issues, I get that, he, he came, and because he came, the gospel came. I want you to consider that. I want to preach a sermon called Columbus Day. And I want to uh, look with you in Genesis chapter 50, beginning in verse 18. I want you to consider... A very profound Bible truth that came on a man by the name of Joseph. And I'm going to ask you this evening to consider perhaps your own life, your own heart, your own attitudes. Verse 18, it says, uh, Then his brothers went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Just a little background. What happened is Jacob has died, and Joseph has treated his brothers very kindly, but they think now that my father's dead, uh, our father's dead, Joseph's going to change. And so they've come and they're afraid of him. And he says in verse 19, Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant it evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is to stay to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Father, help us tonight. God, I pray for anointing. God, I pray that we would have an understanding that your ways are far above our ways and your thoughts are above our thoughts. Uh, God, we thank you that you visited this land with the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's begin and talk about the human condition tonight because I know that most of us here are very familiar with the story of Joseph. Of course, we know that he was the favored son, and because he was favored, his older brothers uh, envied him. Uh, and uh, one day, uh, in a fit of rage, uh, they were going to kill him, but they ended up selling him into slavery. Uh, 
The Bible says that he is eventually in Egypt where he serves in the house named Potiphar and he distinguishes himself. It says the Lord was with Joseph and he became elevated and promoted to the chief steward of that house uh, until uh, the owner's wife uh, attempted to seduce him. And when he rejected her overtures, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned and she accused him of rape. And he was immediately sent to prison uh, and he languished there in prison, a forgotten man. Um, he's a man whose entire life was riddled with violation, betrayal, and abuse. Let me stress that point tonight. Uh, Joseph had been mistreated. Everything that could go wrong in a man's life had gone wrong. Uh, if there's anyone who could look at his life um, and look at the, uh, the, the injustices and the abuses of his life, it would be Joseph. If there's one man who could cry, me too, it would be Joseph. If there's one man that could pull up his shirt and show the bullet hole. If there's one man that could cry about how he'd been violated and hurt, uh, in a, uh, it would be Joseph. And yet we all know what happened. The Bible says by an act of God, he is taken out of the prison, promoted to the palace. He becomes the prime minister. He presides over seven years of prosperity in Egypt saves uh, uh, the, the grain for a, a, a famine that would come. And indeed it came. And when it came, uh, it did not just touch Egypt, but it touched the entire world. And there not far away uh, were Joseph's father and brothers uh, in the midst of a terrible famine. Uh, and uh, J Jacob sends his sons into Egypt to find bread. Um, and we know that they eventually make their way to their own brother. They have no idea that he is their brother and now Joseph is in a place uh, where he can now save his brothers uh, and save his family. Uh, and here we are in our verse this evening. Uh, Jacob has now died. Uh, the brothers are wondering if Joseph really has forgiven him. And it is right here in verse 20 where Joseph has a profound revelation and one that our generation desperately needs. Uh, let me read it to you again. Uh, you, meant it, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. My guess is Joseph is probably around 42 years old uh, and he realizes tonight uh, that the God of heaven can move uh, even in the midst of evil. That God can move tonight and will move uh, despite human evil. Let's think tonight about the human experience because I want to tell you tonight, uh, life uh, is about good and evil existing side by side. He says, you meant evil against me, God meant it for good. Now I understand that Joseph lived an extraordinary life. And I know this evening that the spectrum of Joseph is way beyond most of us in terms of evil and good. But beloved, we cannot ignore this truth because every one of us can make a similar statement. I wonder how many people this evening, you've had your share of evil in your life. I wonder how many people listening to this sermon, you could stop and think a little bit and say, you know what, I've been burned. I know what it is to be violated. I know what it is to be betrayed. I know what it is to be sold out or to be falsely accused that I have had in my life uh, uh, things done to me and violations and things that were unjust and unfair. 
But come on now, let's be honest this evening. Not only can we say people have done it to us, uh, let's be honest tonight, we've also done it to other people. We've also administered our own uh, evil to different people. We've all had our share uh, of things done to us and things done by us, uh, but yet we could also stop and if we're honest tonight, look and say, you know what, there have been a lot of good done too. That not everybody was evil. Not everybody was a traitor. Not everybody ripped me off, but the reality, beloved, is that in this same life, uh, there were also people who came along and God used them for good for our lives. And that you and I have also done good uh, for other people. What I'm saying tonight is in the human experience, uh, there's going to be evil and there's going to be good, and that's across the board. Think about tonight, 9-11. Remember 9-11 where, where the worst and the best of mankind manifested itself in the streets of New York City in a matter of hours. That those, uh, those uh, terrorists were evil. They took control of aeroplanes uh, by taking box cutters uh, and cutting the throats uh, of flight attendants. Took control of those planes uh, and then flew innocent people into buildings with innocent people. It was the evil. It was pure, unadulterated evil. But then what else happened? First responders, New York City firemen and policemen uh, began racing up those same buildings while thousands of people were running out. Uh, incredible acts uh, of, of a heroism. Uh, you can think about those folks on United Flight 93 that knew they were going to die uh, but said, you know what we're going to do is one last act uh, of, of uh, righteousness. Uh, we're going to make sure this plane doesn't kill more people. Somebody said terrorism and heroism collided on 9-11. That's the world that you and I live in. That is how you and I function. There is evil and there is good. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 13, he tells the parable of the field. And he says there's this field and good seed has been sown in this field. And then it says at night an enemy comes and he begins to sow bad seed and the good and the bad grow up side by side. I submit to you, beloved, that's a powerful picture of the human personality. Show me a great character in the Bible and I'll show you a man with flaws. Moses had a temper problem. David's lust issues. Elisha struggled with depression. I could go on and on tonight, but I know you already know this. You don't have to tell me that Christopher Columbus was a flawed man. That what he was on his first journey isn't what he was on his second, third, and his fourth journey. I was interested to hear that they're tearing down statues of Gandhi now. Gandhi. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. modeled a nonviolent resistance on what Gandhi had done in India where he helped free a billion people. This man was the epitome of the peacemaker, but Gandhi was a lawyer in South Africa, and while he was a lawyer, he said some things and did some things. Uh, and so uh, in the world today, no, 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 there's no such thing as evil and good side by side. Uh, tear down a statue. I enjoy reading biographies of great men. I want to tell you when you read a good biography, that biographer is going to tell you that these guys made some bad calls. They did some things and they said some things, every last one of them. If you still don't believe me, then I'll tell you, instead of looking in a book, look in the mirror. Because if you're honest, when you look in the mirror, you understand exactly what I'm talking about tonight. 
The reality, beloved, is that you and I are made in the image of God, but we have a fallen, sinful nature. And here's Joseph now looking at life. And it's like all of a sudden the lights go on and he understands that, you know what, life is about evil and good. I want to talk to you then secondly about the big picture. Because what is happening in our text is Joseph is beginning to see the big picture. The truth is that up until this moment, he has viewed life as a series of random events. He doesn't understand why. Why am I treated this way? Why do I have to go out? How unfair. You know, we don't get a lot about Joseph's mindset in this season of his life. There's very little said. We're told later on when the brothers uh, begin to get convicted many years later, they refer to Joseph's cries. They are haunted uh, by his cries as he's being carried away across the desert. But the only thing that we know that Joseph said comes when he's in prison and the, the uh, Pharaoh's butler is sent to prison because he's been accused of plotting to assassinate Pharaoh. And while they're doing the investigation, they send him to jail and he befriends Joseph. And he has the dream. We know that he has the dream. And in the dream, you know, uh, he begins to tell Joseph. And Joseph interprets the dream and basically says, you're going to be restored back to your place. Joseph realizes this man that I'm talking to, my cellmate, is going to once again be in the presence of Pharaoh. And so Joseph reveals his heart to him and he says, get me out of this place. Verse 15, Genesis 40 says, for indeed... I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here. They should put me into the dungeon. And so that's Joseph at this point in his life. I don't get it. I was stolen. I'm innocent. I haven't done anything wrong. This is my life. Get me out of this place. I wonder how many people, that's how they view life tonight. You're a victim. You've been burned. You've suffered injustice. I'm innocent. And life and evil is just a series of random events where somehow life is against me. I've been cursed. Why was I born into this family? Why was I born into this situation? And you feel tonight as if somehow your life is out of control or worse you know what? I am where I am because of what somebody did to me. My brothers did this to me. That witch did this to me. And yet here he says tonight that there's a God who can overcome evil with good. Brother, if you could put up our, 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 our verse again, verse 20, really quickly. Look at this verse again. It says, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. You know, the most important two words in this verse are they're the words in order. Life is not chaos tonight. Life is not random tonight. Joseph said, yeah, yeah, there was evil, there's good. But you know, the real story tonight are the words in order. God puts things in order. He brings order out of chaos. 
He can take events that when you look at them by themselves, they're evil. See, one of the problems that people have when you talk like this, uh, what are you saying? So you're saying that was right? No, I'm not going to say it's right. Joseph said, you meant it for evil. He didn't let them off the hook. He didn't say, you know what, it's okay, I understand. Your heart was in the right place. You had good intentions. No, no, no. He said you were evil. I'm not here tonight to, to somehow paint some rosy picture of human history uh, that everybody was good. Let's be clear tonight. Mankind is evil. The story, beloved, is not that man is evil. The story here is that God is good. And that he can move in the random events in life, including things that were evil, to bring about what is good. Since I'm in Prescott, I got the words of a country song. The song says, God blessed the broken road that led me straight to you. I want to tell you, beloved, that's Joseph's story, isn't it? And it's our story. The story, beloved, of God moving in a man or a woman uh, is it was a broken road. Things happened. Violations took place. So I want to make a statement tonight. Why do we celebrate Christopher Columbus? Why do we put up his statue and we respect him? I'll tell you why. Because God used Christopher Columbus uh, to find America October the 12th, 1492. That's what I believe tonight. You can go ahead and puncture my tires. It's a rental. God did that. God did that. Were there evil intentions? Absolutely. Were there hidden agendas? Yes. All sorts of terrible things happened to Pastor Ruby when Columbus came and they found the America. All the, how dare you say that? I'm going to say it again. God brought him here. You know, if you were to read chapter 45 when Joseph initially reveals himself to his brothers when they, they're, and he's there three times as he's trying to reassure him, his brothers are in a panic. They are, they're having an anxiety attack. They're looking for their Xanax. Uh, they don't know what's going to happen. Three times Joseph says, God sent me before you. God's involved here with all the evil intent. God's involved. We all know that when he very first uh, uh, piece of land that he discovered, he named it San Salvador, which means Holy Savior. And I'm going to give you a few quick quotes here. Uh, brother, you can help us tonight. Uh, you know, this was his prayer. He said, O Lord Almighty and everlasting God, by thy holy word thou hast created the heaven and the earth and the sea. Blessed and glorified be thy name and praise to thy majesty, which has disdained to use us, thy humble servants, that your holy name may be proclaimed in the second part of the earth. In the book, The Light and the Glory, Peter Marshall says this, after meeting the natives, Columbus wrote, quote, so that they might be well disposed towards us, for I knew that they were people to be converted to our holy faith rather by love than by force. I gave to some red caps and to other glass beads. They become so entirely our friends that it was a wonder to see I believe that they would easily be made Christians, for it seemed to me that they had no religion of their own. 
This is what he was thinking at the time. Now, we know that when he returned to Spain and he finally made it back, that he had that famous presentation before King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella in which he presented them birds. You can only imagine Columbus returning to Spain would have been akin to somebody returning from Mars. And he brought, he showed them birds that they had never seen before. He brought spices to them. And he presented them with people, people, islanders uh, from the Americas came. And for the first time, Europeans laid eyes on these, on these natives and looked at them in utter amazement. It was a, it, it's an incredible moment in human history. But, unfortunately, Columbus didn't view that as the greatest prize. The last thing he presented to them was a chest full of gold. And when they saw the gold, they forgot about the people. uh, 17 ships quickly were put together and Columbus led them back across to the Americas. Most of the people that were on those ships, all they cared about was the gold. And you don't have to lecture me about the evil actions of the conquistadores. We know that. We hear that all the time. But I want to tell you tonight that not only were there conquistadors on those ships, The truth was that, and this is going to shock some of you, in the late 1400s, the Catholic Church was corrupt. And it was very corrupt, and in the Catholic Church at that time, you know, think about this, there were some young men, you know, back in those days, prominent families where they'd have a son, one son would be sent to serve in the military, a second son was sent to serve in the church, and there were some young men who were outraged by the abuses and the violations of the Inquisition. At that particular time, they were persecuting Jews. And there was actually young men, I know they were a Catholic, uh, uh, young Catholic priests, but these men hated the Catholic Church. And when Columbus came back, they didn't see the gold, they actually saw the people. And the very idea that there was a place in the world that had never heard the gospel captured the imagination of young men. Peter Marshall put up this quote. He says, some of the most gifted young men in Spain, many from the ranks of nobility, found themselves in plain robes side by side with the sons of peasant farmers. Many who lived lives of privilege proved to be the most willing to endure great hardship in the service of Jesus Christ. Think what you will of them. But I want to tell you that there were men in Spain that said there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a whole world of people that have never heard the gospel and left a, a, a life and wealth and blessing and were on those ships and went and preached the gospel. History says that these men fought with the conquistadores in the way they abused Indians. Is it possible that even people who meant evil, that God said, I'm going to transcend that and I'm going to bring about my will. Can we say that? Or is it, no, 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 no. It was evil, and if it began evil, it's all evil. Let me speak for a minute about our civil war. 600,000 men died in that war. Around 400,000 of them were Union soldiers. The next time somebody says to me, well, America is systemically racist because of slavery. Hey, man, 400,000 men died to end slavery. Was it evil? Were they evil? Yeah. 
400,000 men died to fight to end it. That has not happened in any other nation on earth. Abraham Lincoln said this in his second inaugural address. He said, yet if God wills, that he's referring to the war, that the war continue until all the wealth piled by the bondsmen, 250 years of unrequited toil shall be sunk, until every drop of blood drawn with the lash shall be paid by another drawn with the sword. As was said 3,000 years ago, it still it must be said that judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Abraham Lincoln came to a deep conclusion, and that conclusion was that the Civil War was a judgment of God on the national sin of slavery. That yes, there's evil, there's even intentional evil. But let me say it to you again tonight, God is good. The Holocaust this evening was a horrible event. There were nine million Jews when, the, when uh, Hitler came to power. There were only three million left after 12 years. It is, uh, it is an unmitigated evil. It is indefensible. But somehow out of that tragedy came the state of Israel. It would not have happened any other way. Does that mean that God allowed that and God permitted that or God caused that or somehow the men who behind the Holocaust were somehow less responsible? Absolutely not. You meant it for evil, Joseph said. You meant it for evil. Years ago, Tom Paine gave me a book called Out of Africa. It was written by a man named Keith Richburg. Keith Richburg was a writer for the Washington Post. He's an African-American writer from Detroit, Michigan. And he was assigned uh, to be the Washington Post in duty station in Africa. And while Keith Richburg was covering Africa for the Post, he had to cover the Civil War in Rwanda, where over a million people were killed in a, in a civil war. He had to cover the tragedies of Sierra Leone and Liberia other African nations. And this man came to a conclusion. You know what his conclusion was? His conclusion was, even though it was terrible, I'm glad I ended up in America. I know you can't say that. You can't, what are you doing? You can't say that. What are you doing? He said, no. After looking at that, I checked. He still stands by his statement today. Joseph doesn't say, oh, yeah, you know, you guys, it's not your problem. He doesn't say to Potiphar's wife, you know, it's okay. No, 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 you meant it for evil. You'll deal with God about your evil. Somehow God overcame evil with good. God stepped in and he moved. You know, if you go through history, there are probably five pivot points in all of human history. One of them was Christopher Columbus finding the Americas. You can pour blood on that, you can cut his head off, but you can't change that God chose to use an imperfect vessel for a higher purpose. Let me close and talk to you about the higher purpose then this evening and we'll stop. We know what the higher purpose is. He says to save many people. In Joseph's mind, the justification for everything that had happened to him was it saved people. It served a purpose. 
that somehow in Joseph's mind, he didn't say, you know, you know well, wait a minute. So, so really, really, I have to be sold into slavery and I have to be put in jail. I have to do all that. Why? So my, so my family can live. Really, really, that's not fair. No, no, Joseph didn't say that. He said somehow the higher good of saving helps me to process life. He brought the gospel to America. Whatever his shortcomings, whatever his failures, he brought the gospel. Now listen, I understand history. I know that the Spanish profoundly failed the world. Everywhere where they were able to colonize today, those nations are cursed. 128 years after Columbus, in 1620, the Mayflower landed at Plymouth Rock. And on that boat were some people who were dedicated to the gospel of Jesus Christ and its propagation. The Puritans there in, in the, in, uh, set up the Bay Colony and the gospel came. Why? Because it's the same. You know, I've actually talked to people and, you know, the Christian, Christian. By the way, may I say, I understand that largely everybody I'm talking to is a Christian this evening. And as a Christian, can we all agree tonight the most important thing is salvation and getting people saved? It bothers me when I talk. Oh, yeah, okay, I know we're saved and folks forgive and all that. But let's go. No, no, let's not go on. Let's not, well, well, I know, yeah, Jesus, forgiveness, but let's have a conversation. Let's make the conversation getting people saved. I'm, I'm not moving on. Because that's what it's all about. Joseph said that's the conversation here. God wanted to save some people, and through all of human evil, God got involved and he helped us. We're not moving from that. I'm thinking about Pastor Greg's sermon Monday night. The challenge that was brought to us, that video of, of people street preaching on the corner where that horrible event happened to George Floyd. I, I'm thinking about Pastor Campbell's message and the woman at the well, beloved. Uh, no, 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 this is about salvation. It's still about Columbus standing there pointing his finger and still saying there's destiny and there's, a, there's an adventure out there. It's still about young men just like those priests 500 years ago that said, you, you mean there's still people that haven't heard? Send me. It's all about saving people. It's not about anything else. We don't graduate this evening from conversion. That's what it comes down to. Let's think about this nation that came to be because Christopher Columbus came to the Americas. You know, the United States only has 4% of the world's population, and yet one-third of all missionaries in the world are from the United States. Nearly half of all money raised for missions in the world comes from this country over $8 billion a year. What I'm saying to you, beloved, is that God saves. That Joseph, America is the, the Joseph. That understands it's all about saving many people. And even though there's these horrible tragedies and events that are in our past, it's still all about saving many people. It's not about anything else 
this evening. We can never make it about anything else. And let me just remind you as I get ready to finish. You cannot understand the life of Jesus this evening unless you understand this context. One of the reasons why people, I cannot process evil. And they, oh, you know, no, I, I read somewhere that they said something and I'm going to cancel them and, and, and that's not right and let's burn them down and, and on and on. You know why? Because they don't understand redemption, that's why. But think for a minute about the Lord Jesus. Because I want to tell you the crucifixion was evil. The betrayal of Judas was evil. The high priest, my goodness, the high priest... And it's treachery. The Roman soldiers, Pilate, you know the story. It was unmitigated evil, beloved. But Jesus Christ was crucified and rose from the dead. And that's why we're saved tonight. No other reason. Randy Alcorn was asking a friend of him from Nigeria. This guy's a Nigerian. He loves America. So Randy Alcorn, one day, this man's name is Samuel, and he just finally said to him, you know, you have such a love for America. And he went there. You know, the place nobody wants to go. He said to this man, you know about American slave owners coming and taking people from Nigeria. How do you process that? Samuel's measured response was simply this, no matter what else you did, you brought us the gospel. And that is all that matters. Does that tonight justify evil? No, you meant it for evil. Somehow Joseph by that time understood it. But he also understood that God is good and God has the power to minister and have his way in our lives. Amen. And I lost one of my papers in this fancy pulpit right here. Unbelievable. You know tonight, the truth is this evening, that the gospel works. The power of God is here tonight. I have no doubt that I'm speaking to people that you have really, really been violated and suffered and and been injured by things that have happened in life. There are people here that just preaching on this might have even, I'm telling you tonight, listen to me. Whatever people meant, there's a God in heaven. And he wants to turn this around tonight in your life. That's what the gospel is all about. They meant it for evil. God meant it for good. I want you to bow your heads. Our heads are bowed. We're before God in this place tonight. You're in this building. You're not saved. You're not right with God. You need forgiveness of sin. Jesus Christ wants to save you and set you free. I have no doubt in a, in a crowd watching this large, there are people here, you've been through some terrible things. Like Joseph, you've been betrayed. You've been hurt. You've been falsely accused. You've been punished for things you haven't done. You have felt forgotten. I want to tell you, there came a point in Joseph's life where he realized that even when men are evil, God is good. 
and that God wants to save. And before I do anything else, I want to speak to people here that would say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I need the blood of Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sin and to change my life. I want to be born again. I need my sins forgiven. I'm not asking you to join a church, sign any creed, but I'm asking you to be honest with God tonight and come to him right where you are and say, God, I want you to help me. I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me for everything that I have done, every evil that I have committed. I repent. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me that my sins could be forgiven. Tonight I forgive those who did evil to me. I let it go tonight, Lord. I want to be free. In Jesus' name. You know, if you pray that and you're sincere, I'm going to tell you, God heard you tonight. And his blood has power to cleanse and forgive. Tonight I want to speak to Christians all around the world that are listening tonight. Yeah, there's been evil side by side with good. We've all experienced it. We've all lived it. We see it in ourselves. The gospel tonight is that life isn't random. God can take evil and he can turn it to good. There are people here, you're a Christian, but you're, you're, you, you become obsessed with injustice. You become obsessed with how life's unfair. A spirit has been loosed in our world, beloved, that wants to revive every violation once again in our life. That's not Christianity tonight. That's a wrong spirit. And here's a man who had a revelation and said, God, but beloved, what, what, what gives us hope tonight is saving many. That's the real issue tonight. God, you did all this so you can save many. I believe there are young men around our fellowship tonight. Oh, that they would have those spirit of those young men 500 years ago that they just, they, the, the imagination that I could go to a place and preach the gospel and they left the comfort of their lives, jumped on boats, traveled to a foreign place, a hostile land. Even the men on the boats mocked and made fun of them. Oh, beloved, the, the world was changed. And I want to tell you, God wants to help us. He wants to speak to some men tonight. He wants to speak to some people here that are trapped by violation to say, God, I want you to help me. Lord, you're good. We're going to stand. I'm going to open these altars here. I'm going to ask men and women, uh, wherever you are, if you, God's speaking, you turn and find a place to pray right where you are. Begin to lay hold of God and say, God, tonight I'm dealing with this. Tonight I'm free. Tonight I'm no longer going to be bound. I'm no longer going to give myself to these violations. I'm not going to let that define me any longer. You saved me. And God, the things that I have been through, every violation is because through me others can be saved. Let's lay hold of God. These altars are open. We're going to sing. We're going to worship God tonight. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vbph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button 
at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people. Oh,